This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. episode of the Michael Rothstein Show. I am your host, as always, Michael Rothstein, and this episode brought to you by DoorDash, Regents Field, and Bet Online. Go and check them out. So we're obviously coming toward the end of the bye week. Players are now getting a few days off, which they will need before a long last quarter, three quarters rather, of the season. It's going to be a lot. Obviously, they have the mini buy in there after Thanksgiving, which certainly will help, but it's a chance for them to get away. I'm going to take a little bit of a break this weekend, something that is much needed because I've been working pretty hard lately, uh, as you know, every reporter kind of does during football season. And I was initially going to talk on this podcast about kind of how things can get better and where the Lions can maybe turn things around from here to try and and salvage their season. And I was thinking about it a lot and I was trying to figure out definitive ways and definitive like things that I could point out where it's like, yup, if they fix this or they do this, that they'll be able to to get there. And there are some things I came up with, and we're going to start there, and then we're going to go into the break, and then after that I'm going to hit on a couple of other things that kind of I noticed just in diving into some stats and just some other things that there have been, you know, theorized about the season, which may or may not actually be true, and then we'll just call it a day. So... I want to start with just a couple of things that really stood out to me. And the first thing would be that if they're going to improve, and it goes back to something that Deron Harmon said at the beginning of the week, they have to figure out a way to trust each other more. And I'm not sure I know how they do that at this point, other than continuing to play together and having more reps and maybe having some better communication and just guys, you know, as... Harmon said doing their job and not trying to overextend and maybe make try and make bigger plays maybe that it's as simple as that but it's clear something in the defense isn't working and it's clear the fact that Deron Harmon's willing to call it out and say hey listen that some of the guys on the defense aren't maybe trusting that the other person is going to be there that's a major problem and I think that there that is a solvable 
problem. So that's one way out. And if you can, if you can figure that out, perhaps maybe the run defense becomes a little bit more sound because then maybe some of the gaps are filled in a little bit quicker, a little bit more. Maybe guys are less um, hesitant maybe to get into certain certain spots and it's all more instinctual and everything ends up being more comfortable. Remember, think of how often we hear that from players, but maybe that's exactly what just needs to happen and that's been part of the issue with the run defense because the run defense right now has been atrocious. And other than that, when it comes the trust level, I'm not sure how they go about fixing it. So obviously one of the bigger issues this year with all of the restrictions due to COVID is it's not like they can try and find a bunch of players maybe to bring in that can be rotational players because I just, A, don't know if those type of defensive players in the front seven are out there anyway, but then you're having a long process to bring them in even for a tryout and you don't know necessarily what type of shape they're in. So you're not going to sign a guy not knowing what type of shape he is in. And maybe you put him on the practice squad first to get that sense but there's still that onboarding quarantine process so it's going to take a while regardless so are some of those solutions maybe on the team already I don't know the answer to that because I don't necessarily think they have a guy that's a dynamic run stopper that is sitting there just not playing a lot at this point you maybe wonder well would they bring up a Kevin Strong, maybe he can kind of help a little bit, but he to me was more of a an aggressive pass rusher. You know, maybe Frank Heron, again, I don't know if Frank Heron is the answer here by any stretch of the imagination, but maybe you go there and you say, Hey, you look at Frank Heron and say, give him a shot in the interior of the defense, because whatever you're doing on the interior of the defense is not working right now if you're the Lions. Danny Shelton's been very hit and miss, in my opinion. Nick Williams, as we talked about on an episode earlier, as a pass rusher, just hasn't been getting home enough to affect the type of change and the type of defense that they want to have. And John Penasini's been okay, as we were talking about in the podcast yesterday, but I don't think he's giving you enough either. You're just not getting enough from that interior of the defensive line to make a difference. And I'm not sure how they go about solving that at this point. I think that that's something that is a much longer term fix and something they frankly probably should have addressed a little bit stronger, maybe in free agency, certainly in the draft. And that, that would be to me the biggest area you can focus on and say, Hey, where, where can you maybe make a change? So, that would be one spot, but again, it's not something I know how to fix or would have suggestions to fix other than Deron Harmon being one of the captains, and he's right. They have to figure out a way to trust each other because the lack of run defense and the lack of being able to stop the run right now is absolutely crushing the Detroit Lions because Trey Flowers is right as well in that part of the problems that they're having when it comes to pass rush is that they... They they aren't having enough situations where they're in an obvious pass rush situation. Now, granted, when they have been in those situations, they haven't exactly been doing a good job, and that that much is clear. Uh, but I think they have maybe some of those guys that they can look to, whether it is Trey Flowers or it is Romeo Okwara, that you can kind of say, okay, well, 
you know, is is it possible that those people can those players can maybe maybe do that and maybe maybe get there? Um, so, you know, I, I don't I don't know the answers to those questions, but that's that's one thing. Another thing that you know we've always talked about here when it comes to uh, the Lions, where I think they can, you know, add is blitz more send more pressure because the pass rush isn't getting home in the situations that the Lions would like it to. And I know it goes against Matt Patricia's kind of core defensive philosophy, but this time I think you you just got to try something different because what you're doing clearly is not working. You look at the four games this season, they blitzed Drew Brees 7.4% of the time, even though he was without Michael Thomas, without Jared Cook, without Andres Pete, and then ended up being without Ryan Ramchick. They blitzed... Kyler Murray, 13.5% of the time. They blitzed Aaron Rodgers 21.2% of the time, their highest blitz rate this year. And they blitzed the Mitchell Trubisky 17.9% of the time. So here's the interesting thing there, too, is twice in those four weeks, they actually got less pressure than when they blitzed, which means the teams picked up the blitz that well. And that was against the Packers, where they only got 15.2% pressure. And these stats, by the way, all courtesy of our good friends over at ESPN Stats Information. You should follow them on Twitter at ESPN Stats and Information. And then the, against the Cardinals, they only got pressure 10.8% of the time. That shouldn't surprise you, of course, because Kyler Murray is just that good with his feet. But they're not blitzing any more really substantially than they have in either of the past two seasons. In 2018, they blitzed 14.6% of the time. Last season, 15.3. This season, 15.4. They are, however, getting much less pressure than they did in the last two years. Two years ago, 26.5% pressure rate. Last year, 24.4% pressure rate. This year, 16.2% pressure rate, which means they're just it's just not really working for them. And so I don't know what you do, how you solve that if you're Matt Patricia, but at this point, I think you have to try something different because you do have some good pass rushers on your team that are not defensive linemen. And you're not getting enough pass rush from the interior of your defensive line, which is something that the Lions clearly had hoped Nick Williams would provide. But Jamie Collins is capable at rushing the pass. He's actually potentially really good at it. Jared Davis is a guy who's shown a proclivity to be able to rush the passer. Perhaps he's also potentially pretty good at it. Tracy Walker from a safety spot, or if you're playing him down as a linebacker in in a linebacker spot, also a guy that can bring pressure and can be effective doing it. Why not use those guys in a little bit of a different situation? Yes, it puts your cornerbacks on an island. There's no doubt about that. And they have two young corners in Amani Awarie and Jeff Okuda where you're taking a chance if you're doing that. There is no question about that. But at this point, you have to do something else to shake up your defense to help as you know, Trey Flowers was talking about, get into more pass rush situations so you've got more chances. And maybe trying to blitz more is doing that because right now, sitting back in coverage, whether that's man or whether that's zone, and hoping that coverage sacks will happen is just not working. Yes, I acknowledge that this is a very dangerous potential game to play if you all of a sudden start to turn up the heat. But guess what? You haven't done it in the past. So why not try it now? Because at this point, I think you need to try a little bit of anything if you are the Lions. 
Because look at this, this way. There's only one game, according to ESPN stats and information, under Matt Patricia, where the Lions have blitzed more than 30% of the dropbacks. And that was actually against the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, where they blitzed 52% of the time. And they actually got a ton of pressure on Russell Wilson. Now, they lost that game 28-14, but they were effective at least getting pressure. And right now, I think if you're the Lions, you need to at least do that, especially with some of the quarterbacks you're facing coming up, whether it's a younger Gardner Minshew, Matt Ryan, who can be susceptible to pressure in the past, Phillip Rivers, who is an older quarterback, doesn't quite move as fast. And then you've got whatever the quarterback situation ends up being in Washington at at that point in the year. You have games you can win, and maybe if you mix it up a little bit, you've got a shot of really taking advantage of something and trying something different. So that, to me, is something I think that the Lions maybe should consider, should look at. And here's the, here's the crazy part about all of it, right? Is that we're talking about pressure, talking about like how often they get there and how often they even try it. Two of the top 11 blitz per dropback games of Matt Patricia's tenure with the Lions have happened this year, and they happened in weeks one and two against the Bears and the Packers. So he's actually maybe showing it a little more, but it's still just not a lot whatsoever. And it'll be interesting to see what happens as well because they are playing Washington and they blitzed Washington last year about a quarter of the dropbacks. Now, granted, that was Dwayne Haskins. We'll see who ends up being the quarterback now. It's a different system. But, I mean, you just look at it and you say, well, you know, maybe they got to do something different. And maybe Matt Patricia would point to the fact that the games they've won, they actually haven't blitzed much at all when you look at it. Their blitz per dropbacks, they're of their 10 fewest. Four of those 10 fewest resulted in wins. Their win over the Patriots in 2018, their win over the Panthers in 2018, their win over the Dolphins in 2018, and their win over the Eagles last year. But whatever it is, it's just not completely working for you right now so you need to figure out something that's different and that's just something I think at least they can try but again I'm not a football coach that is not my level of expertise I'm just throwing things out there we'll be back right after this with a few things on offense that maybe they can look at an interesting stat that I found that maybe will debunk some of the theories out there and more right after that this on the Michael Rostin chair You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. And listen, as it gets colder out, I know you don't necessarily want to go out as much. Neither do I. So DoorDash is a great option to still get great food brought to you. And then you don't have to cook, which is something I don't really do at least all that well. Ordering, listen, it's easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Nothing to me screams good food, good fast food at least, like the Chipotle Burrito Bowl, one of my favorites. It's 
And so many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, your food, it'll be on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, code is BLUEWIRE. $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And are you looking for somewhere to go? Go check out Regents Field on South Main Street in Ann Arbor. They are open again. They're showing all the games, all NFL, all college football. Big Ten football is coming back. They're going to be showing all those games. They've got free skee-ball, free darts, and they've got some free NBA jam. They're going to have drink specials as well. So go check them out. Regents Field on South Main Street in Ann Arbor. Now... Back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. So we looked at a couple things defensively that seem to make sense to fix. Offensively, looking at it, I think one of the things they really need to figure out a way to do is to maybe get Marvin Jones a little bit more involved in the offense. We talked about that on yesterday's podcast, sorry, on the Mailbag podcast a little bit when it came to Marvin Jones and kind of how he's been used somewhat similarly to how he has been in past years. But when it comes to targets and when it comes to getting him involved, the Lions need to get him going because that will take pressure off of Kenny Galladay. It will take pressure off of the run game. It will take pressure off of TJ Hawkinson. And they need to find a way to have him have one of those 10, 8, 9, 10, 11 target games that usually end up opening up the offense and opening up his game because usually when he has one of those games, it ends up being a sustained three, four game stretch. You saw that in 2016 when he started in his first three games of his career with the Lions and his first four games, sorry, he was fantastic. You saw that in 2017, he had a stretch of four games where in the middle of the 2017 season where he actually had back-to-back 100-yard games, In 2018, there were points where you saw that where he had not as big of yardage, but his whole month of September in 2018, he had at least 54 yards a game. He had at least four catches, sorry, at least three catches in a game, but he was targeted at least six times every game. And then toward the end of the season, before he got hurt, he was starting to get on a roll again, too, and he had a uh, seven-catch, seven 117-yard game where he had 10 targets, eight targets the week after that, seven targets the week after that, at least 55 yards a game there. And then last season, you look at it, and he didn't have quite the consistency of targets on a week-to-week basis, but when he was targeted a lot, he was incredibly effective. He had the four-touchdown game when he was targeted 13 times against the Vikings. He had eight catches on 10 targets against the Raiders. So he has been largely productive when he's had those larger target games. He's only had, he's had two of them so far this year. Arguably, he had six targets against Green Bay. He did score a touchdown. He had eight targets. He caught four of those passes against Chicago for 55 yards. So they have to find ways to get him a little bit more active. He's had five total targets over the last two games. I think that can open up the offense because don't forget those first two games too. They didn't have Kenny Galladay So this is a way to kind of maybe jumpstart him and get him going. Similarly, I think they need to find 
a way to get TJ Hawkinson more involved as well. I think Hawkinson has shown good promise in each game this year, but they can get him going a little bit more. His targets, five one week, four one week, seven against the Cardinals, and then two, I mean, four against the Saints. He's caught basically almost all of his targets. So he's been targeted 20 times and he has 15 receptions. So that's not terrible. Um, They didn't target him a ton against the Saints, but I thought he was really effective against the Saints, which might sound really weird, but but I thought he was. He was a very effective red zone player against New Orleans. So they need to find a way to, I think, get him more active as well. Because, again, if those two guys, if Marvin Jones and T.J. Hawkinson are able to get going, which I think a lot of people thought would be part a large part of their offense, then that should force teams away from maybe double-covering Kenny Galladay. And then all of a sudden, that can open up the run game. And the offense, which has been really good in spurts, but has been largely inconsistent, can theoretically get ready to go. Uh, and those two things to me would be the biggest helps on offense. I think right now, as far as their offensive line goes, you're just kind of maybe if Joe Dahl gets back and then figure out what you're doing. I don't know the answer there, so I wouldn't even want to speculate of how you handle that, whether you move Jonah Jackson back to right guard. What do you do with Vitae then? Do you move him to right tackle? Or Tyrell Crosby's largely played well, so would you leave Crosby there, but then stem Vitae, who just spent so much money on, to the bench. Do you not bring Joe Dahl back into the starting lineup, even though he was playing fairly well before he got injured? I, I don't know the answers to some of those questions, but those are those are big questions for Matt Patricia that he's going to have to answer if and when Joe Dahl does return, because that's a good problem to have and that you have a bunch of capable linemen, but I can't see them sending Jonah Jackson to the bench at this point. And I also think Joe Dahl is good enough to play. And I think Tyrell Crosby's good enough to play. Vitae to me has been the guy who's maybe been the most hit or miss of all of those players, but also are you going to sit a guy who you just paid that much money to? And if you did, like that's a, a large indictment and failure potentially on Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia's part of identifying and then not identifying what they maybe thought they had in a right tackle. So that's a big question, but maybe they think Vitae can be better than Crosby and you send Crosby back to the bench. But if I'm the Lions, if I do that, I also know if Vitae starts to struggle, I'm going to Crosby pretty darn quickly. So that's going to be a really, that's a tough decision to make, but that's, I think, one of the real interesting decisions. Again, if Joe Dahl ends up ready at some point to come back, that's a really tough question to answer. So all of that being said, there was actually a couple of other things I wanted to address before we pack it up for the week. Uh, one of the things I thought was really, really interesting was I'd heard a bunch about this in some ways in that. So yeah, this is the last thing I just want to address before we end the show is I saw some things about how the Lions have been running too much on first down. And I actually want to just point something out that actually they haven't been. They've been 
pretty even. Granted, smaller sample size than prior years, but they've been pretty even so far on run versus pass when it comes to first downs. They've had 56 rushes, and they've actually gained 4.16 yards per rush on those 56 first down rushes. And they've attempted 53 passes, only completing 58.5% of those first down passes, but they're going for 8.1 yards per attempt. So they've been successful when they have passed. And so how does that compare to prior years under Matt Patricia and really last year under Darrell Bevel? Well, uh, they're actually getting more yards per rush this year on first down so far than they've done in the prior two years under Matt Patricia. Four point yard, four yards a rush last year, 4.04 yards a rush in 2018. And they are completing a fewer percentage of passes on first down in 2020, which puts them in tougher second down situations. Again, under 60% this year, where a year ago they're at 61.1. 2018, they were at 71.9. But they are averaging more yards per attempt on those first down passes. So they're trying to take a few deeper shots in that they are at 8.19 yards per attempt, where a year ago they were at 7.48. And two years ago, they were at six. Point seven six, obviously with a different offensive coordinator. So just wanted to keep that in mind because I know that there was some complaints about like, oh, they're running on first down again uh, with Adrian Peterson. Well, they've been pretty balanced. And in that, in that Cardinals game specifically, they probably had their, their least amount of balance in that they had 19 rushes and 10 passes. But to me, the reason for that was pretty simple and that their game plan was to try and shorten the game by having more drawn out drives and you're going to do that more by when you're running the ball on first down to kind of work the clock see if you can stay on schedule they averaged 3.32 yards per carry on those 19 first down rushes and but they were much more effective against the pat on the pass when they did that they actually averaged 13.7 yards per attempt on first down when they threw the ball they were eight of ten as well so that was actually a really good day for Matthew Stafford in that and by having this kind of split you can go to play action which maybe is another thing that they can maybe do a little bit more of even because Matthew Stafford has always been good in play action particularly in the last few years so those are just a couple of thoughts I had about kind of where maybe this team can go from here to help themselves improve, back them up some, with some numbers from our good friends at ESPN Stats and Information. want to thank you all for listening all week. Really appreciate it. want to thank my sponsors for this podcast, DoorDash, BetOnline, and Regents Field. want to thank Blue Wire Pods, as always, for hosting this podcast. want to thank you, the listeners, for, as always, listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein. Follow me on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. And most importantly, have a great, great weekend. And we'll talk with you again on Monday. The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today 
and get, take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.